Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to be here with us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators, and they fall into one or more of several different categories. We have our entrepreneurs, which include small business owners and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who like to have your own hands on the levers as you grow your business. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore our episodes, and discover how we and our guest experts help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. Now, every so often... We get one of those episodes, we get one of those guests that we know is just going to be a ton of fun. And one of the things that I love is seeing a contrarian view or a different viewpoint to the same language that everybody else is talking about. Those who follow my business, those who've been following the Business Creators Radio Show have heard me refer to something called the website conversion conversation because everybody else is out there talking about no like, and trust. They've heard me say that the absolute last thing you could ever want in your business, the thing you absolutely do not want in your business is traffic to your website. And now, today, we have Jason Swank with us, who's going to share with us why the marketing funnel is dead. And just to tell you a little bit about Jason, I'm going to let you, then I'm going to let him tell you in his own words. Jason Swank of JasonSwank.com is the defender of truth, justice, and effective business practices. And he has special business and marketing powers. His mission is to save the galaxy one business at a time. Operating out of his office in solitude in Atlanta, Georgia, Jason makes the most of his in-the-trenches experience in today's cutting-edge business marketing strategies to help innocent businesses defend themselves against villainous competition. Jason, welcome aboard. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Wonder Twin Powers Unite. Let's do this thing. (laughs) All right. Before we dive in, because I know you're going to be sharing some very interesting stuff with us here today, let's take a step back. Give those of our listeners who may not have heard of you yet a chance to get to know you a little bit. So just tell us a little bit about your background and what's brought you to where you are today. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to chat with everybody. But uh, I started my career in 99. I used to work for Arthur Anderson, the paper shredding company, before they screwed up Enron and screwed up the, the industry. <laughs> but after that, after I worked for them for a brief six months, after I saw them shredding papers, I wanted to really kind of dive into owning my own business. I always wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I never knew how I was going to do it. And while I was working for Arthur Anderson, one of my friends looked just like Justin Timberlake. And I said, hey, you know, I know how to do, design websites. Let me design this website just for fun. And I called it in shit. And it got really popular. And when this thing took off, people started asking me to design websites. And so that was my calling in order to design websites for people. So I ran a digital agency where we did websites, and marketing for companies for 12 years and sold it couple of years ago, and now I work with business owners and helping them scale and get to the next level. Arthur Anderson, the paper shredding company. That's kind of hilarious. I almost forgot about the Enron thing for a minute and uh, didn't quite see where you were going with that. That's, that, that's, 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 that's hilarious. Uh, uh, do you mean to say you literally walked in on him shredding paper? I was kidding. 
Yeah, that happened long before, long, uh, long after I was gone. So. Right. I, I was going to say that would be kind of hilarious. That'd be kind of a great story. And I could see how that could inspire you to help innocent businesses defend themselves against villainous competition. I just I love your model here. And anybody who goes to your website and sees the video on your about page, first of all, you have your cat in the video. So it already gets four paws up for me. But then just to hear you describe your free offer. That in itself is just absolutely hilarious, and I love when people take that stand. It's just great. Now, here's one other thing before we get into this whole thing about marketing funnels. Um, here on the Business Creators Radio Show, we provide the tools, techniques, and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses. And a lot of listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that anybody, including Jason Swink, tells them they need to do except for time and money. Now, this is a question we ask every expert who appears on Business Creators Radio Show. And what I like is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of ways the question is interpreted. So how do time and money impact what you're going to share with us today? Well, I mean, it's, I'm a big believer that systems outperform talent all day long, right? And okay. the, only big, the only difference between a really successful entrepreneur and um, – you know, a one someone struggling is the systems that they have in place. And it's all about really not having to spend all the time, you know, just kind of in the business rather than working on the business. And it doesn't take all, I mean, it's amazing with all the technology out there of how much time you can save, how much you can start a business with hardly anything. I mean, literally, when I started my agency, I think I had a $400 computer. You know, I started looking at the expenses when I started this business. That's extremely profitable. It's a seven-figure business. And literally, I'm spending less than, I think, $3,000 or $4,000 a month, right, on, right. you know, expenses to run everything. So it's, it's an incredible time. I love that thought about that, how we use technology to simplify and emancipate the power of information so we spend less time editing and maintaining and more time educating and monetizing and this is a lesson that i try and teach people all the time i mean in our own business we automate a lot of things here uh for instance our entire scheduling process and i tell I, even my own current clients people who give me five digits worth of money i even say to them don't ever 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 email me with a question like hey when do you have a minute to talk get on my scheduler and put yourself in and tell me what you want to talk about i will be there so because yeah. us going back and forth or even paying my assistant to go back and forth with them four times over that is an absolute waste of time when there are a plethora of systems out there that can allow them to just do it your, themselves, even at 3 o'clock in the morning, without having to wait, wonder, or worry when they're going to get a response. They can just do it. And I love working yeah. with people who are the same way when it comes to these types of things. And as far as other types of technologies. I mean, certainly I don't encourage people to go cheap, especially with things like web hosting and things like that, because you can really lose your shirt that way in terms of uptime and security and things like that. But you can be so economical and there's so much fat you can trim, so to speak, and you can run a very lean, very effective operation. So I see where you're going, I see where you're going with that, and that's a very good point. Now, you're telling me in the green room before we went live here that the marketing funnel is dead. And in fact, I think you invited me to the funeral. So what happened? <laughs> well, you know, everybody is, you know, treating everybody the same. They all have the, 
the same, they think everybody wants the same end result. And they think they want to just funnel everybody at the very top and then funnel everybody down the same way. Like, you know, it, everybody probably listening probably knows like Jeff Walker's Sidewide Launch, right? Yeah. Where you get kind of video number one, video number two, video number three. Of course. Well, what if you didn't engage in video number one? Why would you send them video number two? Why would you send them video number three? Why wouldn't you spend your effort into getting them to see if they're going to engage in video one? And if they don't engage in video one, treat them differently. Send them something else. Right. right? So it's all about building contingencies into your campaigns and dynamically generating content and behaving differently in order to get the ultimate, you know, goal of getting a new client or getting a new customer or creating a raving fan is give them the stuff that they want, but use technology in order to do that. You raise a very good point there. I myself am a, I'm a devotee of Jeff Walker's product launch formula. We've one of the main things we do here at HelpMyWebsiteSell.com is we manage people's product launches for them. And we are very proud of the fact that our services don't, quote unquote, come cheap. And what you said is part of the reason why, because we're not the type of firm that's going to just say, okay, let's pull product launch formula out of the clouds and let's take what you're doing and shove it into product launch formula and automate the whole thing and just sit back. Now, we do the sideways sales letter process and we do the three videos if the client wants to film three videos that's a variable right there sometimes they don't want to film videos at all so we can't always use that approach but uh, we don't just create everything and then just put it on autopilot and then sit back because as you said uh what if they're not engaging at video one before we just show them video two we might want to find out why that is and the video one engages so well that we might be able to accelerate the timetable or take them in a different direction to move them to the doors open why would we not do that why would we make them sit yeah. through something when we can demonstrate through numbers and through feedback that they're ready to go yeah exactly yeah you know it's all about when i when i start breaking it down for people it's about creating many yeses yes okay and it, it's almost kind of like one of my favorite movies is called moneyball right i think everybody's watched it with brad pitt yes where he's a general manager of a, a very um, not well-funded team. And so what he talks about is, is, look, all the major league teams are buying players, but they shouldn't be looking at it as buying players. They should look at it as buying people getting on base. So rather than buying a player that always hits home runs, buy the hits. If you start getting on base, that's all they cared about, that's all they wanted, and then they'll eventually win. And that was their, their formula. And so that's kind of the same formula that I'm taking with marketing and getting rid of the funnel. Like, I'll never, on this interview, I'm not going to re reference funnel anymore. I'm going to refer to it as the F word, right? The F word. I, I love it. Okay. So, so you I can drop F bombs. No, no F bombs on us. I got it. Yeah. So it just hit the beep, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, really what you want to do is create those mini yeses. So let's say, now we're talking about kind of the video, you know, the, the Jeff Walker sideways launch. So let me tell you kind of how I would how I do it and how I recommend people do it. So, so you guys can go implement it right away. So, someone opts in for something that you have. You provide them a, a video. Well, unless they watch that video or even watch a certain percentage of that video, I may respond to them differently. And so I may send them three emails to see if I can get them to engage and watch that video fully. Because if they don't watch the whole video. 
what's the point? They're not engaged. You lost them somewhere. So then you have to kind of figure out how to get their, their engagement again. So after they engage, let's say I send them three emails, they finally engage on the last one, then I'm going to move them to video number two. In video number two, I'm going to have a call to action, maybe to jump on an early bird list, right? Maybe that's my next mini yes. Right. And then let's say they don't jump on that early bird list, no problem. I'm going to send them you know, to a, a traditional kind of video sales letter later on where I add scarcity and saying, you know, hey, this video is going to go down in four days or even better yet, this video is going to go down on June or July 4th. So make sure you watch it before it goes down and then offer them something. And then let's say they don't engage, right? That's no problem. You have a contingency built in. Maybe I invite them to a webinar, right? And then maybe they don't um, take me up on the webinar. No problem. Maybe I send them a long sales letter. Maybe they just want to read and they don't want to look at my stupid face, right? Right. And so you're just constantly bolting on different campaigns to each other in order to, you know, get that person to the end goal. And there may be multiple end goals. So I have multiple products that I sell. I have mastermind groups. I have one-on-one coaching. So, you know, I have four or five things that could be an end goal for someone rather than just one. Sure. And uh, see, I, I what, what I love, the, and I won't pull this out a little bit here, is some people may look at what you just described and they say, well, isn't that an F word? Uh, how is that different from an F word? Because we are moving them down a F word towards something. Uh And for those who just tuned in, when I say F word, we're referring to funnels because Jason's telling us that the marketing (laughs) funnel is dead. Because sometimes we get people who tune in late. That's another thing you probably know from, uh, from managing webinars and managing videos, Jason, is it, uh, is usually when you start one of those things, you have to do a quick check-in about 10 minutes in because some people show up a little bit late. It's like almost to be expected. So just want to do that real quick. And they may say, but yeah, we, but we are moving people. So if they don't watch video one, we're moving to video two and, VIP lists and all that, but isn't that like a funnel? Yeah. Well, a funnel is trying to get someone to the one end result, right? Right. You know, a campaign is built around dynamically generating and creating and putting people where they want to be, right? Right. So a funnel is really just kind of one, like, big autoresponder, right? Yes. But if you, if you look at kind of what, you know, the milestone, I call this milestone marketing because you're basically – trying to get everybody to the next milestone, right? Correct. And if they don't get to that milestone, you know, the cool thing is, is a couple months later or a couple days later, you could say, well, why did they drop off here? But I can rerun that campaign and not, not start them at the top of the funnel, right? Of right. where kind of everybody starts, but start them right where they left off at milestone two or milestone three. Uh-huh. Right. I, I follow you. I follow. And, I, and I, I see your point, too, because sometimes people are just not ready to engage the first time you show it to them. And it could have absolutely nothing to do with the videos or the emails or the information you're showing them. Uh, all of our listeners, I think, have experienced situations where they have had a prospect in their business. 
and they talked to they were blue in the face with this prospect they gave him a proposal and everything else and they never even got a thank you for the proposal then they find out six months later because this person that never took him up on their proposal says you know uh, I ended up hiring this other person uh, they charged me uh, X amount of dollars which was four times the amount the original person was proposing to charge them and uh, I'm broke now but I still need the help because they didn't deliver for me so can you do it for free <laughs> and uh, so what I want our, our business creators to do is I want you to think about that and uh, it's not necessarily they didn't necessarily go with that other company, your competitor, because there was anything wrong with your offer. It's just that at the moment that your competitor approached them and the way they approached them was more in line for them at the time with their expectations and what they were receptive to than what you had. And don't feel bad because sometimes it works the other way. I mean, every squirrel gets a nut once in a while. Uh, but what Jason here is saying and what I'm hearing is, that you know when we think of the f word a funnel we think of well, we're going to set up this whole campaign we're just going to try and shove people towards the end result and here's jason here saying and this is what i really need everybody to pay attention to which is no not necessarily we need to look do they engage with video one do they engage with video two uh and tell me this it, let's say you're doing let's say you're launching something like that is this is you're also saying that maybe the end result for everybody in what some people might call the funnel maybe the answer is not necessarily to buy that course so do you make room to do things like say for instance maybe they're just not going to be a course buyer but they could be a mastermind joiner is that in there at all did i hear that it's perfect and the other big difference between a funnel and a campaign is a funnel stops when they buy something right? With the milestone marketing campaign, it doesn't stop. It keeps going. It's always like, for example, like I'm running one campaign right now, you know, as soon as they become a client, right? There's immediate upsells. There's immediate other milestones I want to make sure I hit, whether it be, you know, making sure that their net promoter score is, you know, top of the line. So then I can ask for a recommendation. And then the next milestone is for them to actually provide me a recommendation because we're doing so good or provide a survey in order to really understand in terms of their own words of why they bought, right? right. So the, the milestones keep happening even after the purchase or even after the traditional funnel would stop. Yes. That is so true. I have seen this way too many times. The, the person makes a purchase and then that's it. Well, as I see it, it's just beginning. Because who yeah. is the, who is the, what is the easiest yes you're going to get in your business? Um, you're going to get that from the person that just said yes. Yeah. They just spent. Yeah. They just gave you two thousand dollars. They're pretty engaged. Yeah, yeah, and and even kind of harping on kind of the story that. I went through all the time when you said, hey, I sent a proposal out. I never heard back to this guy like for six weeks later. And by the time they finally I got in touch with them, they already went with someone. Right. I can let me tell you something right now in order to stop that completely. Oh, I love like, this. I will never I will never let you send like if you want to stop all of your prospects from going silent after you send a proposal. Here, do, you, do you guys want to know the number one way to stop it? Yes. Don't send the proposal. <laughs> okay. Right. So what you do is when they say, Hey, I love what you're saying. Um, get, get, send me a proposal saying, I'd love to do a proposal for you. Here's the deal. I want to be able to present it to you and I want to be able to review it with you. 
and really build it over time with you to make sure it's right. And when you do that, you'll never have anybody go silent again. And you'll get rid of all the tire kickers out there. We did this with clients like AT&T and Hitachi and LegalZoom and all these. And some people will say, well, no, you just send me the proposal, that's our game. And I said, no, no problem, we just may not be the right fit for you. And we would walk away. Okay, so when you say present it to them, does that mean that rather than send them a document and follow up and say, hey, did you get it? Uh, do you have a chance to look at it? Something like that. Are you saying that what you'll do is you'll schedule a call with them or schedule an in-person mm -hmm. with them where you'll walk through it step by step rather than just firing off a document and waiting to see what happens? Correct. Okay. Always review with them, whether it be in person or online or however you want. But never just send the proposal in the dark because what's going to happen is they're going to turn right to the pricing page and they're going to evaluate you on pricing and not on your process and what you're going to deliver and the results and all of that. Right. I'm definitely drawing the distinction here. So, and this is, and this is where sometimes our business creators radio show episodes go above and beyond the original premise. So this is fantastic. So let's say uh, that I have somebody who's a prospect. So they, they come to schedulewithadam.com. They book an appointment with me. We have a great call. Uh, you know, they have an exciting product they're going to launch or a, or a campaign they want to build because those are really the two things we do here. And, uh, and they say, and they say, well, uh, okay, Hey, this is all well and good any chance you could send me a proposal so what i'm going to say in response is that what we want to do instead is schedule a follow-up is that what we're saying yeah so i would say look i'd love to get your proposal uh, when when's a good date and time that we can meet to review the proposal i see and then we don't send it in advance but we bring it with us to the meeting exactly I see. I see what you mean because that's something that you know that I you know that I've been doing that halfway right, I guess, and a lot of our listeners I think do it halfway right as well because people send me proposals all the time. Uh, is we we do the part that's right, whereas you don't quote a number after the first meeting because you haven't had time to research, you haven't had time to process, and you haven't had really a chance to decide if you even want to do this. Uh, so you don't put the proposal in the first conversation and you don't talk about money in the first conversation because that's a deal killer right there. And if somebody, all they want to know is how much it costs, then uh, they might as well just go to um, Goodwill or something like that and find the uh, the $2.89 section because that's really what they're looking for is the cheapest price. So if I wanted to get yeah. that business right now, I could just quote a low number and get it, but I wouldn't want to do that. So yeah. we get that part right. But the other part is we want to, rather than throw a document at them, is we want to schedule a time. So actually, I think I've been doing this three-fourths right, is uh, I, what, I, what I do is or what I have been doing up until now because you've enlightened me. Uh, our listeners know that I'm not only the host, I'm also a student because I'm looking for the slight edge in my business, is... I'll say, okay, well, great. You know, this is awesome. Uh, you know, I'll send you the proposal, and I'll have that to you by tomorrow. But what I'd like to do right now is I'd like to schedule our follow-up call, so okay. that I don't let them get away with just walking away with a piece of paper, and that's the end of the conversation. I have them committed to when we're going to talk about it before they even see it. And what you're suggesting is shifting that timeline so that that follow-up call and the presentation of the proposal are at the same time. That's right. Got right. it. And, and, and the one thing, too, that I would do in order to make sure I'm not wasting time with people, within the first 10 minutes, I would have a money conversation with someone okay. to figure out their, their budget. 
And, you know, most of the time when people would say, you know, when you ask someone, what's your budget, most of the time they say, well, I don't have a budget. Or, <laughs> well, you tell me, right? I mean, and here's my budget buster, right? I'd get the budget 100% of the time, every time. And I would do it two ways. The first one would be like, whenever they say, I don't have a budget, I'd say, that's fantastic. I love working with people like you because we don't have to worry about money. We can try all these cool things out that are very innovative. And then you kind of pause for a second, and they're like kind of grasping for air. And you'll be like, oh, so you do have a budget. I was just kidding. <laughs> and then, I'm, then I act as a reverse auctioneer, right, where I say, so, so I can make sure I'm right for you. What kind of range are you trying to stay around? And I would literally start at like a million dollars, nine hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand, seven hundred, seven fifty, you know, and just keep going down until until I could figure out a range to make sure I was not wasting my time. Because I had so many people coming to me wanting to do the next YouTube, Facebook, and um, and LinkedIn put together for a certain industry, but different, and had a thousand dollar budget. I was like, come on, guys. Yeah. Everybody listening, if you're listening to this live, make sure you go to iTunes and subscribe and get your download of this and listen to this again because you're going to want to hear what Jason just shared with you. Uh, he basically demystified the process of getting responses on your proposals and pre-qualifying prospects uh, before you get too deep with them because within the first 10 minutes, if you find out that they're really just looking for a $200 squeeze page. Now, if you're in a $200 squeeze page business at this point, just go for the close. But otherwise, uh, you know, you could be uh, wasting a lot of time uh, building an $8,000, $10,000 marketing proposal for somebody who's just not going to spend the money. Uh, I, I would not want to see that happen to you. So this is a great segue, Jason. And overall, what should people be doing to convert more sales? We talked about uh, the difference between a funnel, the F word, and a campaign. And we talked a little bit about how to get your proposals responded to more positively. So overall, how are we going to get more sales? Well, it's all about knowing what your client's biggest challenges are and being able to specialize in order to determine that. You know, there's too many people that want to go after everybody. They look at the bigger companies in their industry and they go, oh, I need to do that. I need to do everything. So in the agency world, the smaller agencies would look at the bigger agencies and be like, well, they're doing, they're going after all these markets and they're putting their stupid portfolio on their page. And they're putting all this about stuff all over their page and they're duplicating it and they're right. duplicating complete crap yes. and they're doing it wrong versus focusing on a, a specialization because they didn't see where they started out. It's kind of like Facebook, right? If someone wanted to build Facebook, you know, they're like, I need to go after everybody. But Facebook didn't start out that way. They started out going after Harvard students. Yes, That's I remember. It. And then Ivy League and then college and then high school and then all us old farts, right? So, you know, that's how they started. So you have to go super narrow first to understand their biggest challenges, provide useful information to them, ask them for many yeses, right? So don't lead with your core service or your core product. Think about, like, um, when I work with agency owners and business owners in the service industry, I tell them to create their own service offering funnel, right? So most of the people in the service-based business would love to sell retainers because it's scalable or it's predictable and you make a lot of money over the year, right? But it's so hard to do that. It's like pitching marriage going up to like the opposite sex right away and saying, will you marry me? <laughs> Hell no, they won't, right? So why would you do that in business? Right? It's the same way. Come up to them and you know say, what's a little small slice of a service 
that I do now that I could offer to them, like a strategy call. And then don't go to into the retainer because that's a huge commitment. So go for a 90-day project. And then from that 90-day project, take it down to a retainer. And the funny thing is, is a lot of times the people in the service-based business, they sell these retainers, but it's month to month. I'm like, that's not a retainer. You're no, a contractor. It's, it's, it's a monthly fee is what it is. And then when you get into this retainers, and the, you know, the retainer includes 10 hours, no matter how much you put up things like, uh, you know, like use it or lose it, we don't carry over, we don't build banks or anything like that. You know, I, I, I guarantee if you're listening to this call today and you had the idea that you were going to start a retainer business, and it's going to be the type of thing we're going to do 10 months or excuse me, 10 hours of marketing support a month. And if 30 days from now you use seven of those 10 hours, even if you had the sign and fax back to you a piece of paper that says we understand that we are paying for 10 hours if we don't use them we lose them they do not roll over i guarantee 30 days from now they're going to be asking where they get credit for those th- other three hours and they and uh and i'm going to half guarantee they're going to turn nasty if you reinforce the whole thing that uh, they just lost them mm-hmm. yep. and by turning nasty could mean anything from threatening chargebacks to say well okay you're fired just mark my words. Mark my words. So, Jason, thank you for pointing that out because I see people make that mistake all the time. And when people ask me about my retainers, I tell people we just don't do them. <laughs> just don't do it. It just doesn't make sense. So I love what you're saying about the idea of finding something that you can do to get the relationship going. And that's what I love to do with my clients. Before we, do, before we ink the $10,000 deal, I'm looking for the $2,500 result that we can turn around in 30 days or less. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, I really want to drive that. Now, we're about halfway through here. And I have heard you a few times mention something called milestone marketing. And I know we've touched on various bits and pieces of it as we've gone through the distinction between a funnel and a campaign, uh, what we've looked at in terms of how to help people with their proposals, how to convert more sales. But walk us through this milestone marketing concept. Yeah. So, I mean, milestone marketing is really a way of breaking your campaigns into simple milestones that, you know, dynamically behave different based on, you know, the user engagement or the interaction. So, like, so when you think of like a campaign, if you look at any one of my campaigns, you could be overwhelmed based on all the conditions. But if you start looking at it and working backwards and thinking about, all right, what's the end goal? What's the end result? So let's say I wanted to get more coaching clients. All right? right. So in order for someone to start working with me on coaching, what's the last interaction do they have to have before they give me money to coach? They need to chat with me, right? Yes. So that's the, the, the last logical step. So now I'm like, okay, so they need to have a conversation or, and then what's before that? How do I have a conversation with them? Well, I'm like, well, based on my criteria that I look, I want them to fill out an application, right? And so I'm like, okay, so that's the next kind of logical milestone that I'm going to go through. And then I'm going to say, well, in order for them to fill out an application, what's the, the thing before that? And I'll say, well, they'll have to watch, they have to know what the session is that they're getting on. They have to understand what's the possible outcome, what, how does it work, um, what's the criteria, all this. So I start working logically back and thinking, then I start thinking of all the many yeses. And all the many yeses are milestones. And, if you, and you have a, a number of different ways that you can break it up. So if it's a yes or no, right, 
The yes is obviously going down the path that you want. If it's a no, then you're going to take them down a contingency. And usually that's sending them to another campaign. And I can talk about the multiple campaigns that you should have. Now, if it's kind of a multiple choice, right? So a multiple choice could be like an email to someone saying, what's your biggest challenge you're struggling with? Are you struggling with cash flow? Are you struggling with generating leads? Are you struggling with, you know, wanting to, you know, put your hands around your employee's neck and ring them up, right? <laughs> all, all those different things are different outcomes, right? And so you, and you can take them down different paths. And so you really want to kind of build that. But when you start looking at it as the different milestones, it breaks your campaigns and makes it so easy to follow. So you know where people fall off, so you can restart them at a later date. Um, you know where, um, where they're making it through, right? And you can adjust. And so I can look at these complex campaigns that I have, that I used to have, and when I started putting milestones to them, it made it so easy. And then I can communicate to my team. I can communicate to my clients and going, oh, they're making it to milestone two and we have 10 milestones, right? They're not even 50% through the campaign. When I started doing this, and I literally came up with this concept about three months ago. I implemented it two months ago. My income is dramatically increased by 58%. My opportunities, my sales opportunities, I'm not talking about leads. I'm talking about people reaching out to me, filling out applications, went up 256% wow. by doing this. That is, right. that is something. That is something. So keep going. Keep going. Yeah. And, you know, what, one of the campaigns that was really, really successful for me, uh, and I did, it was, this was just a test. I literally sent out a test to 3,000 people. I had 500 people respond. Um, and I did it differently, right? So most people send out an email, and it says, if you're interested in, in chatting with me and having a free consultation, which if you're offering a free consultation, if you're calling it a free consultation, stop, or I'm going to find you, I'm going to hunt you down, and I'm going to slap you. Okay. Right? Don't do that. Call it like an acceleration session or a blueprint or something else because that, that just has a bad name because they know you're going to try to sell them something, even though right. you are. And so I sent out an email. I said, rather than clicking on this link and opting in to get more information, I said, hey, if you want me to do this really cool thing for you, just reply to this email. Just hit reply, and I will send you the details of how this will work. I had 500 people respond. Now, I had this all automated through my system, which was pretty cool. I didn't have to manually respond, but it looked right. like it was for me and it looked personal. And then basically they get a video and they say, great, I created this five-minute long video for you. It tells you exactly how this is going to work, the possible outcome, go do it. And then at the end of the video, they can actually apply. And so I add all these mini hoops. So I'm getting rid of all the tire kickers and I'm only getting people very, very serious. And when I did this, about my closing rate of the people I was chatting with, because I'm talking to the right people, are about 95%. That is great. And I love the idea. I mean, you, I mean, you talk about milestones. And some of our listeners who are familiar with, uh, who are familiar with website conversions uh, will recognize the the similarity between milestones and micro-commitments. The many yeses that lead to the yes is something that I call it. It's just the idea that we're not building people up for the big hand-on-the-pen moment. We're getting them to say yes, say yes, say yes, say yes, say yes, so that uh, your natural reaction to anything that Jason Swank says or Adam Homie says is yes. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. You just keep you're saying yes to them. us. Yes. Yeah, 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 you're training. I mean, that's kind of like sales 101. You right. You look at them, you shake your head, yeah, and you say, you don't want to die, right? You, you want to give me money, yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly, uh, exactly. So it's like uh, you want to live, right? Yes. You don't want to die. You want to stick around? Yes. Do you like cats? Yes. Do you want to make money in your business? Yes. Do you want to work with me? Yes. Do you want to give me money? Yes. So we're just you know training them with the idea that the natural reaction to you and to your marketing is to say yes. And what's really also good about uh, you know having milestones is it does allow you to take out tire kickers without that always being so dramatic. I mean, you're always going to get a few people. Like uh, when I have people who want to work with me, I usually have them fill out an intake form before we even get on the phone with them. And if somebody balks at doing that, then they're automatically rolled out. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing too, by doing the mini yeses and the milestones, what you're doing is you're taking and you're putting them in control for what right. you think, for what they think, right? Because what so many com- so many companies and people do when they're trying to sell something, what do they talk about themselves? They talk about them, and that's actually wrong. You need to be focusing on them. So how can you focus on them? Ask them questions. We're human beings. We love. We, you ask me, ask someone, ask someone a question. If I can say that right, they're programmed to answer. Yes. So ask questions, and that's the whole principle around milestone marketing. And just, I mean, you, you can even call it milestone selling, really, if you want, because it doesn't start, you know, stop after the, you know, the, the deal is done. It just keeps continually going and going and going. And I always challenge people to think of what's the next milestone. They'll be like, oh, that's the last milestone. No, no, what's the last one? What's the last one? Keep going, keep going, keep going. And when you start doing that, that's when things really start kicking up for you and you start getting a lot of traction yeah that is that is exactly what i tell people all the time in my own business is to look at this i mean i've been calling them micro commitments and jason refers to milestone marketing but it's really very similar concepts uh so you see that some marketing concepts really are universal which is how we how we frame them so uh I, I got to ask again because I know that one. I know that the working title of what we're doing here is uh, the marketing funnel is dead. At what point were we able to pronounce it? You know, I I really think. I mean, it's. I think we probably could have done it a number of different years ago. I think you could pronounce it dead, and all this cool technology came out where it could do dynamic behavioral marketing, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that's when, the, you know, the, the funnel really died or should, should have died. But, you know, people keep using it and, and people keep saying, I'm a, you know, I love building funnels and I'm going to build more funnels. I'm like, no, because you're treating everybody the same. Think about how you can treat everybody like you're, you're doing marketing for one. Just market to one person. That's really what you want to do because you, you want to look at that ideal prospect for you and how can you market to them. And then it'll just start branching out. Right. Certainly. Well, here's one thing that I love about this is we had some people who saw that you were going to be on the Business Creators Radio Show who pre-submitted a couple questions. And I think now would be um, a great time to ask a couple of those and uh, just based on some of the things you've shared with us up until now. Now, we've been talking about milestone marketing and uh, you know, we've been, you know, comparing that to micro-commitments, getting people used to the idea of saying yes. And one of our listeners wanted to know uh, your thoughts on 
whether or not when somebody's on your list already, if you should have them opt in again. Uh, they are adamant that once somebody has opted in, it's an insult to ask them to opt in again. And my question is, how do you segment in that case? I mean, why, why would you feel bad for having them opt in again? I mean, so yeah. I guess it, it, it depends on, you know, if it's a double opt-in, right? right? You know, if they have to, you know, that would be a pain in the ass. But, you know, um, I don't see any problem with, like, if someone's already on my list and they go to a video and then I have a call to action on the bottom of that video to make sure that they're interested, they get another little mini yes, right? I have no problem with doing another opt-in you know, for them there, because that's going to trigger the next campaign and they want that information. So, you know, you know, most of the time what I, what I've been doing on webinars is, uh, and I've been trying this out and I, and I'm kind of in a 50, 50, I'm trying to figure it out more. So I have a pretty big list and I sent out, um, to my list that, Hey, I'm doing this webinar. Just click on this link. If you want to come, right. Very easy. Yes. All they have to do is click on the link and they're registered and then they'll get reminders and all that. I used to do it where I would make them opt in again. Now with just a one-step opt-in, I had more people showing up with the one-step opt-in, even though it was a little harder. So I'm still kind of going back and forth. So, But I have no problems with asking for another opt-in. Right, I right, because I'm just thinking to myself. I mean, other than I mean, how do you how do you segment people then? Uh, and it's also my personal thought, and this is something where I've gone back and forth with one of my own other clients who uh, has uh, fortunately listened to me in most cases. Is they want to do like let's say they want to do a webinar, and the idea is is to promote their coaching program or promote their event or something where they're moving people towards a goal, and. I mean, we want to send out this opportunity to everybody on their list, which has almost 50,000 names and emails on it. And we want to do no opt-in required. Well, how do we know who's interested? Yeah, because right. because your other because your other option is just to continue to carpet bomb the list and assume everybody is a prospect and annoy a lot of people and end up having a lot of your previous paying customers unsubscribe because they really just don't want this new thing. So why would I not want to find out who is going to show up for this webinar because now I know who I can hit with the sequence of messages around that event, around that program, around that product versus who's just going to take a pass on this one. That's right. This is what, this is one of the biggest to this day, believe it or not, frustrations that we have when it comes to folks who are launching products, launching services, anything like that, where uh, they don't want to segment, they don't want to have people confirm, and then at the same time, they don't really want to send any emails. Um, I have had folks come to me say, well, you know, um, you know, I, I have 20 years of credibility, my people know me, they, they trust me, so I just don't understand why I can't just send an email saying this is available and ask for the, ask for the money. And when somebody comes to me with that and it happens with stupefying regularity, I laugh. If I'm on a telephone yeah, or I'm on Skype with them, I will laugh at that statement. Um, I don't mean it to be outright insulting, but I'm thinking, come on, you really, you really think that 20 years of no like and trust means they're going to buy from you today? Are you kidding me? I mean, have you looked at social media? <laughs> yeah, right. That's amazing. 
Right. So, so Jason, here's another thing that I'd like to get into here is, uh, let's say that you uh, don't have anything to offer right now. Uh, Two-part question here is, should you now come up with something to offer, or should you find a way to keep things sort of like buzzing along at a basic order and to off, you know, basic level until you have an offer? And in which case, what would you do? Which, which of those two approaches would you recommend? So I would do kind of like a survey. If, if I didn't have an offer, I mean, this is kind of what I did. I mean, I kind of fell into what I'm doing now because people kept asking me the same questions over and over. And I said, well, let me just create a site. And I didn't even have a program. I didn't do consulting, I didn't do a run, anything. Right. But then I was like, you know, what can I create? So literally from the blog, I just said, hey, if you guys are, if you like this blog, subscribe, which is actually a, a no-no, right? You right. Give them something of value first. But people were subscribing. And then what I did from the people subscribing is I just asked them a simple question. I said, what's your biggest challenge that is keeping you up at night? Because the, the bigger the problem, like if you want to know how to make a lot of money, find the biggest problem people are having that's costing them a lot of money and solve it. Right. And so by asking them, like if anybody jumps on my list, so if you went to jasonswank.com slash agency tips, the first email that you're going to get when you join my list is, hey, thanks for joining the list. What is your biggest challenge? If you email me your challenge, I will try to res- I will respond to you. And I, I respond to everybody. I, I can do that still, thank God. Uh, but I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, I'm crazy with email. So I love responding to email. But I will literally respond to them because they are actually helping me out because I understand their biggest challenges. I get it in their own words, and then I can create a program solving their challenge. Or sometimes, even better yet, I can call them up and I could say, if I, if I could solve this for you, um, what would this be worth to you? And then you could, you know, we did this all the time at the, in the agency business. We said, oh, you need to build this kind of custom application. We'll build this for you. It's going to cost you $10,000, but we own the intellectual property they paid us $10,000 to develop it, and then we owned the product and we could sell it. Yeah. Yeah, see, see these, these are all fantastic things to, to think about here, and I love the idea of doing a survey. When in doubt, do a survey. Ask a question. Get the answers to the question, because if somebody has a burning need, if somebody needs help, if there's something that is on their mind enough that they are willing to tell you about it, they're also willing to pay you to make it go away. Is, 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 has been my approach all along. And uh, rather than assume that some somebody knows this, I, I'm, I'm reminded this happened about a year ago. There's a, a person I know, and I'm not going to say any names or even mention their gender because I have a lot of respect for their work. They are a copywriter, and I'm on their list. And it had been a long time since I'd received any emails from them at all about anything. And then suddenly I get an email from them saying, in three hours, I'm going to be opening the doors to such and such and such. I think it was like a $77 course or something like that. And this email went on for 12 scrolls on my desktop. It was like a long-form sales letter inside an email. And then three hours later, I got the email again. It was basically the same thing, except now the doors are open. And I'm thinking, And I'm thinking to myself... 
is there a method to this madness? Because I don't really feel very engaged here. I'm I'm wondering if this was just a test they were running to see if that type of marketing still works or could be made to work. I I don't know. I mean, I believe in flash sales. I have my clients do flash sales all the time, and it's a great way to put some extra money in the bank. Uh, but it's it's also a well you don't go to too often. And if you're looking to create something new. Um, See, here's, here's my thing. I've had people argue with me, why do we need to do product launches? And if we want to translate this to what Jason Swank is doing, why do we need to do campaigns? Why can't we just make offers and have people buy? Uh, and my answer to that is, well, then why does Macy's have a Christmas sale? Why do car dealerships run ads? Because after all, they sell cars and we know what a car does. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you, when you think about it, you know, the, the biggest thing to any of these campaigns is you got, they got to all stand by themselves. It's not all an offer, right? It's literally goodwill. And so you're putting out useful information that helps, which builds credibility, authority, and separates you from everybody else. If you help, you're, you don't have to sell. All you have to do is help. And when you do that, people will come to you and they will trust you. So in any of my campaigns, like whether it be video or content or anything, they literally can get a tremendous amount of value from any of that if they take action. And most of the time, what they what happens is they go implement like the budget buster or you know the how to convert eighty percent of the proposals or whatever it is. They take my tips and they come back and go, Jason, that worked. I was like, I know it works. And they're like, What can I buy from you here? <laughs> Because it makes the decision very easy. Yeah. I see, and, that, and that's the thing. And we also want to talk about selling without selling. That's another phrase that is tested very well through our marketing research. And think about that. That is selling without selling. If you give them something and they can take it and they can run with it and they can get results from it, you're going to have their attention. Mm-hmm. I know that I, in my own business, I know that I have succeeded. When somebody says to me, this is one of the best testimonials I've ever gotten, and I wish this person was still a client because I would keep her with me till the day that I decide not to do this business anymore. But unfortunately, um, well, fortunately for her because it worked out very well, but unfortunately for me, uh, she got a big promotion in her corporate job and had to shut down her entrepreneurial venture. But uh, she gave me the greatest testimonial that I've ever gotten, which is after I saw how well your free stuff worked, I had to have the paid version. Mm-hmm. We used to plaster yep. that all over everything, and that was one of the best testimonials we've ever gotten. Um, unfortunately, because the nature of what she was doing in her entrepreneurial venture was such a conflict with what she does at work, um, it was also stated in her in her employment agreement that she had to have the entrepreneurial venture taken down and basically all traces removed. So she had to ask us very nicely with a ton of regret if we could please not use a testimonial anymore, and I cried. I, I, I needed <laughs> consolation. I needed a I needed consolation, a big hug, and a good cigar before I got over that one. I I wish her well. And uh, last time I spoke with her, which was about a year ago, she was doing extremely well with her career. But man, it was the best testimonial I ever got. I'm looking for somebody else to say that. Uh, people were saying well, it, but in different ways. <laughs> well, I, I feel bad that she actually went back to working for the man. Right. You know, I, I'm an unemployable entrepreneur. Um, I try to work for the man after I sold my company and. It just ain't working. And, uh, I mean, the kind of business that we're in right now, the, the freedom that we have, you know, I work less than 100 hours a month. 
because of all yeah. these systems and I can do whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm doing the Griswold, uh, vacation Saturday with my family. We're driving all over the country. So nice. Uh, <laughs> I love cross country drives. Yeah, I, fi I finally did one two years ago. When I moved from Pittsburgh to Las Vegas, I said, well, to heck with this, I'm driving it. I, 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 yeah, my, my, I mean, I use my moving budget. I use that basically to pack my library in, in boxes and then ship that ahead to a UPS store where they held on to it until I got here. But as far as moving my clothes and my computers and such, uh, I packed that in a car and I road tripped that bad boy. It was nice. nice. I got to see pieces of the country that I might never have seen. And uh, the only, my only regret about that is I did not time my journey through Kansas properly because I missed out on the Eisenhower birthplace and the Bob Dole Institute, both of which are right along Route 70 in Kansas. Those are two <laughs> things I want to see. So one of these days I'm going to get back to Kansas on Route 70 and make a day out of it just so I can hit those two things. They're only about two or three hours apart. I could have done them both in the same day if I had timed Kansas better. Nice. That's the only mistake I made is uh, is I put too much of a time frame on that. So so Jason, when you do this uh, with this this Griswold vacation, uh, I mean, do you have like specific uh, you know ports of call where you have to be in such and such a city by such and such a time, or are you just allowing yourself X amount of time to see how it goes, and you'll pick a hotel when you're ready to call it a night? Yeah. Well, my family lives in Long Island, so we have to be up there on the second, but right. we're literally driving to Virginia and then uh, going by the Amish and Lancaster. I found a city that was literally named after my family called Swanksville. Yes. That's where we're originally from. So I'm actually going to stop there and figure out what kind of town this really is. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, we're just going to kind of wing it and, and, and see where it takes us. So it, it should be fun. So. Right, and the reason I brought this up is uh, I just want to check in. Uh, your campaigns are still going to be running while you're doing this. Oh, all the time. You know, huh. I literally for Father's for Father's Day, I went away for four days. When I came back, I had other than me looking at the applications, I had five meetings totally set up. Nice. When I came back, when I came back on Tuesday. Yeah. So, Go you ahead. Know, yeah. You know, it's all on all on autopilot. That is that is why multi-purposing your content and structuring these campaigns is the way to go. I mean, the majority, I would say the absolute majority of the prospects that I get in my business, I do nothing to get. It's just because I have so many things on autopilot. In fact, things that are so subtle that people don't even always recognize they're my autopilots. I have leads coming in left and right, and I have, I have cherry-picked awesome prospects just showing up on my schedule and yeah. i am thinking i don't know who this person is i have to research them and then i find out oh well, they came from this podcast interview i did or they are a client of so-and-so or i'm a regular visitor to their webinars or or we share a client or there's such and such that i met in such and such event just because i'm constantly putting subtleties out there is I'm getting these results, and because I'm projecting out to the world what it is I'm looking for, I'd like to spend just a minute on that before we wrap up. Here is um, you know just you know in terms of building these campaigns, building your image, building your brand, and everything else. What can we be doing on an ongoing basis to make sure that we are constantly getting leads and opportunities from sources where we don't even have to nurture it? What, what what's your you know method for that, Jason? Yeah, so I obsess over helping, and I obsess over the, the target market that I'm going after, 
my whole goal is to be the number one resource for agency owners, right? And so I'm always putting out valuable content. So I have a podcast where I do it once a week. Yep. And then I put out other possible content. Now, I don't put out that content to attract new people. I do that to make uh, constantly stay in contact with people after they go through all of my campaigns. I literally have eight campaigns all bolted together. Yep. Based, and then it's all dynamic. And then after that, then they start getting my weekly content. And so I just obsess over helping and just being there as a resource that I wish I had when I was running my business. And if you do that and you really focus on providing goodwill and just doing things honorably and respectful and just helping, there's no reason why your business can't take off. But if you start making decisions based on money, you start making decisions based on how can I make a, a quick sale and just sell this person and selling people what you want them to buy versus what they need to buy, it's going to be a different story for you. I had a little challenge in my business, and our regular listeners have heard me mention this before. About six to nine months ago, I got in trouble with my business, and we got into a real financial pickle. And you know why that is? It's not because we were failing. It's because we were succeeding beyond our wildest dreams, and it came so fast that we didn't update our systems fast enough. I owned that, and I went back and fixed it. Now, uh, what I did, even during that nadir period, is we still kept the Business Creators Radio Show going, and we continued to have awesome interviews. Uh, we still reached out for prospects, and what I did is I said, okay, well, now's the time where we need to start digging that well. We need to start tapping those streams again, and here we are four to five months later, and I've got things coming at me from everywhere. It's because I remembered that old adage, um, if you find yourself thirsty now, that means you should have dug the well six months ago. Right. Yeah, it's all about having the right systems in place in order to not go through those this huge kind of you know, peaks and valleys. Right. Right. And, and it's, you know, it's, it's also too, one of the, the, the things that I always tell people is when you get too busy, you're not charging enough. <laughs> Raise yes. your prices. Um, yes. And yes. So when, you, when you start doing that, but I look at businesses as you need 12 systems, right. In order to, and I'm not talking about technology. I'm just talking about overall, right. You need 12 systems in order to really kind of, walk away from the business if you wanted to, other than like setting the vision direction and uh, looking at the financials, you should get to that point where you're doing that and your team is building it. Then you're building a valuable asset that someone could buy one day. Right. Yes. And, and, and it's less stressful. You know, I went through it as well. I mean, I was two weeks away from just closing up shop. Uh-huh. And the only way I, I got through it was just creating the right systems where, you know, I had a huge pipeline coming, but then as all the business came in, we still had a delivery system where we could deliver everything and not worry, or I had a partner network or uh, onboarding network. I mean, it was just, you have to have, you have to think of your whole business and all the systems that you need in place and making sure that it's all scalable rather than just solving the quick thing right now. Exactly, exactly. And uh, that is a great place for us to wrap up here because that really is a great philosophy behind why you need to be doing campaigns and why you need to be doing milestone marketing. So first of all, Jason Swank, thank you so much. This has been not only an honor, but an education. 
Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. Right. And I want to make sure that all of our listeners know, make sure to go to Jason's website at jasonswank.com. And what I'm going to leave you with, guys, uh, is go to his About page and watch his video where he shares what you're going to get when you sign up for his free tips. <laughs> just trust me on this. I'm just going to leave it there. Sometimes we have our guests go on for several minutes about uh, what they have to offer, but I'm just going to leave that with you. Trust me. You will write to me, and you'll thank me. So, again, J- Jason, uh, thank you very much for being here. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please check out our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and also subscribe to us on iTunes where we help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.